0: please open your Bible with me once again to the book of the Psalms. The book of the Psalms. We'll be looking at Psalm 32 this morning. Psalm 32. Look there with me beginning in verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is is covered. How blessed is the believing sinner, that sinner who is ever trusting the Lord Jesus Christ with all of his salvation. Beloved, this psalm gives unto us the only real and right reason for true happiness, full blessedness, a blessedness of the heart, the soul, and the spirit. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now this blessedness, this happiness that David is referring to here in this psalm, and that's what the word blessed means, happy. This blessedness, this happiness is speaking of the man whose God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The word blessed is used in the book of the Psalms 49 times in 47 verses, and every time it means happy, joyful, and blessed. How blessed, how happy is the man who is trusting the Lord Jesus Christ for all of his salvation. How truly blessed are the saints of God. And the fruit of that salvation is joy and peace in the Lord. Look there in the last verse, verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. Beloved believing sinner, you have every reason to be overjoyed with this. Being found in Christ Jesus the Lord, ye are righteous and complete in him. Now, what does that mean? Beloved, the death sentence that we so rightly deserve has been pardoned, has been put away for all our sin has been put away by the once-for-all sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that causes us great everlasting joy. But notice the contrast here. On the one hand, here is the blessed man, the happy man. But on the other hand, look at this wicked and cursed man mentioned in verse 10. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked. But on the other hand, he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. My friend, oh, how precious is the gift of God, the saving faith that he grants to his people to trust the Lord Jesus Christ for all of my salvation. All right, verse 1, Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression Is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. My friend, this is the reality of every believing sinner. All your transgressions are forgiven and forgotten, and at that, forever. Verse 2 Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not, reckons not, charges not iniquity, and in whose spirit There is no guile. Now, this is the description of a truly blessed and happy man. Indeed, that's true of every believer. So, then who is the blessed and happy man? The blessed man, the happy man, is that sinner saved by God's grace and mercy in Christ. Now, though the world would call a blessed man one who is rich and increased with goods, though the world would call a blessed man one who has a good education, a good job and who has prospered in this material world. And so what about it? So what of it? I mean, if that's the only blessing he's got, well, what is the end of that man? Not very blessed, is it? Our Lord has said to such as those, if you die in your sin, you cannot come where I am. He said, except you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. my friend, I would rather be in material poverty, knowing the riches that God has given me in the Lord Jesus Christ and the inheritance that every believer has in Christ, than be be materially rich. And you can take that further. You can look at everything in your life, everything that you hold dear, and God will give you grace if he so pleases to take everything from you. But there's one thing he'll never take from you, beloved. He'll never take the Lord Jesus Christ from you. If you're his, if you belong to him, you'll be never removed from his presence. What does he tell us? He says, all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. What else do we hear in the gospel? In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, we hear the calling and gifts of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. Once he gives you that full and complete pardon of sin, and dresses you in the righteousness of his Son that will no, never be taken from you. Now, in this life, we suffer many things. Every time we get, gather together, every Sunday, every Wednesday, many of you are going through things I don't know anything about. But every time we come, we pray that the Lord will be pleased to take his His, his word, not, not my words, his word, and bless it to the hearts of his people, ministering comfort, ministering where needed, conviction but all of it for the good of his people. And we never tire of hearing verses that we repeat frequently. They're not trite verses. We know by experience their reality. We were just talking about a verse just recently, and it won't be a bother for me to repeat it. <laughs> we know, beloved, all things, all things, painful things, joyous things, hard things, easy things. All things work together for good, for those who love God, the called according to his purpose. God give us grace, all of us grace, to acknowledge him in everything. And Let me just show you a passage in Proverbs chapter 3. And, you know, when we're going through difficult times, sometimes the worst thing we can hear is advice from someone. <laughs> uh, I pray the Lord will minister to everyone gathered here this morning in your particular trial, your particular difficulty. Life's hard. It's not easy. But it's so good to know that we have a Savior who saves us to the uttermost, who leads and guides His people in the way everlasting. He said, I am the way, not a way, beloved. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one come to the Father except by me. And so, beloved, believing sinner, May God be pleased to bless this portion to your heart and lead you and direct you as you acknowledge Him in everything you're going through. We read there in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't lean unto the understanding of any man, of any man. Lean under the understanding that the Lord gives you in his word. Lean unto, let me say it much stronger, lean unto him. (laughs) Lean on him. Lean on him. He's not a crutch. He's a rock. He's a foundation. Cast all your cares upon him because he careth for you, beloved. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not under thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And oh, what a blessed thing to read there. (laughs) And he, not me, not you, not someone else, he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Turn with me to the first epistle of John. First epistle of John, chapter 5. You know, amongst... uh, the discourse of this world, you'll hear people say things like there's people that have and people that don't have. You know, the, the haves and the haves-nots. You've ever heard that? The haves and the haves-nots? Maybe some of you have heard that before. Well, look what it says there in First John chapter 5, verse 12. This is the only issue that matters. The only issue. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. My friend, if you do not have the Lord Jesus Christ, you have absolutely nothing. (laughs) But if you have him, you have absolutely everything. Everything. I can't say that or emphasize that enough. (laughs) If you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you have everything. Everything. So much so that somebody will come alongside you and say, Why aren't you unhappy? You have every reason to be miserable and unhappy. The Lord ministers grace when we need it, beloved. And I'm not saying things aren't hard. I'm not saying things aren't difficult. But He gives grace to His people, sufficient for that thing we're going through. Now, going back to Psalm 32, in verse 1 and verse 2, we have set before us a threefold description of our total depravity. You see, by nature, we all fall short of the glory of God. And it's not that we sin and then we're sinners. Rather, we are sin. From the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, we're sin. David uses these three words in the first two verses of this psalm. Transgression, sin, and iniquity. Someone called that the trinity of what we are. Now, let's look at each word there. Sin Transgression and iniquity. Now sin is what I I am in of myself. That's what I am. Sin. Go back there to first John chapter one, or the first epistle, instead of turning to John chapter five first John chapter five. Look there in First John chapter one. You see, in sin I was shapen. Sin. Sin is what I am by birth. And we see there in 1 John chapter 1, in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, it says that singularly, that is, if we say that we have no sin nature, no depraved, ungodly nature, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, We make God a liar, and his word is not in us. So then, sin is what I am. You see, my friend, in Adam, all die. In Adam, all sin. I was born in sin, shapen in iniquity, and so sin is what we are. Before I heard the gospel, I can remember when someone would ask me what I was. You know, they they wanted to know where I was coming from religiously. And so I would say I was a Baptist. And if they press me further, I would say, well, I'm a Reformed Baptist. Now, this is before I heard the gospel of my salvation. Now, if someone asks me, since I've heard the gospel, what are you? Tell me, what, what are you? <laughs> I want people to hear me say, So plainly, not that I'm anything like religiously speaking uh, or theologically speaking. You know, I I used to say uh, the most absurd, ridiculous things as an unsaved religious man. You know, I'm a five-point Calvinist or some ridiculous thing like that. I want people to know only this. I'm a sinner saved undeservedly by God's grace. That grace he purposed to give us, beloved, in his beloved son before the foundation of the world. And so, beloved, never graduate above that. Never graduate above being a sinner saved by God's grace. Old William Huntington, and uh, we have a few of his articles and sermons on our bookshelf, he would always sign his name, William Huntington SS. Now, what did he mean by those initials? Did he mean... uh, Someone special, perhaps? Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Rather, SS stands for sinner saved. Sinner saved. My friend, are you a sinner? Are you a sinner? You see, sinners are a very scarce thing in Texas. They're very rare wherever you go in the world. Now, what do I mean? Well, many say they're not perfect. But how many sinners do you know who say they are worthy to be sent to hell? How many sinners do you know who know themselves to be evil, who know their guilt and filth before God? Now, if you find a real sinner, that's a sacred thing, for the Holy Spirit has made him to know his need and that his Savior never fails to save sinners. You see, beloved, what we are is sin through and through. All our thoughts, our affections by nature are evil continually. You see, by nature we love darkness, not light. Men and all mankind are totally depraved. Adam's ruin, guilt, and sin was charged, imputed, reckoned to all his race. Why do you think our Lord said to his half-brothers, these are the children that Mary had with Joseph after our Lord was born. He said to his half-brothers, the world cannot hate you, but it hateth me because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Now, as a believer, beloved, you receive that about yourself. You know that by God's undeserved grace, he's revealed that to you. You are evil. The Lord said it another time to responsible mums and dads. And you being evil. You are evil, my friend. And I pray God will be pleased to teach you that very thing. You're evil and God's son is holy. You see Adam's fall was not a partial fall. Rather it was a total and complete ruin in Adam. We call that original sin. And in Adam all die. Another word that David mentions is transgression. Transgression is what I do. For sin is the transgression of the law. If you see a, a sign on somebody's property that says no trespassing, that means that you're not to walk on that property. And if you do, if you disobey that sign and transgress by going onto that property, well, you've committed a transgression against the property owner. You see, transgression is is what I do for sin is the transgression of the law of God and it says this in 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for the sin, for sin is the transgression of the law so because sin is what I am in of myself how I was born with adam's guilt charged and reckoned unto me his fallen state is what we've all inherited by nature And because of that, my nature only produces one thing, transgressions, transgressions. That's what I do. That is the sin of commission. I've committed sin against God. I've violated his holy law. And then the other word David mentions is iniquity. So what does iniquity mean? It means our moral perverseness. That is the lack of doing what is right, what I should have done. That is the sin of omission. We've been studying the book of James, and James puts it this way. To him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So that's the trinity of our nature. Sin, transgression, and iniquity. But notice this. Beloved, all our sin is put away, forgiven, covered, and not imputed unto God's elect by God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, what blessed blessedness we have in the Lord Jesus Christ to know that, to not just believe that, to know that, beloved. Now, turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. All the wonderful places where it sets forth Not things we'd like to think so or things we'd like to believe, but it says this much more strongly because it's revealed from above. We know all things work together for good for those who love God, the called according to his purpose. We know. We don't believe it. We don't choose to psych ourselves up and try and pretend that so. That's just so. It's been revealed to us. And here's another portion where we see something that we know, beloved. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now let's consider those three words again, those three things that David mentions in Psalm 32 transgression, transgression forgiven. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. That means put away. That means purged, cleansed. So how was that done? How was our transgression put away? Well, the word of God clearly teaches us it's only by one way that our transgressions can be forgiven. And that's by the precious blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, he took our sin in his own body on the tree and died for the atonement of God's covenant people, putting their sin, putting it away by the sacrifice of himself. Blessed is the man to whom God will not charge sin, whose transgression is forgiven. Now, how long are they forgiven? How long exactly are they forgiven? As long as I hold out, as long as I do the right thing, As long as I belong to the right church or denomination? No, my friend, this transgression is forgiven by God Almighty. And this forgiveness of sins is an eternal forgiveness. He said, their sin and their iniquity will I remember no more. Transgression forgiven now and forevermore. Now that's a blessed man. And that's true of every one of us that believes. You see, every believer is resting in Christ Secondly, blessed is the man whose sin is covered, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But rather, beloved, our sin is covered by Christ and His blessed blood atonement. For it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the sin-atoning victim for all our sins. Beloved with his blood by the sacrifice of himself, he put away all our sins as far as the east is from the west. Beloved God's word declares, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You see, God has cast our sins into the depths of the sea. They're cast b- behind behind him. Put away and covered by God Himself to be remembered no more. Blessed is He whose transgression is forgiven. Oh, the blessedness, what happiness, what joy to be had in knowing that all my sins have been put away by the Lord Jesus Christ. For He appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. And, beloved, all those for whom He died, all their sin is forever put away by the blood of the Lamb. The song of the redeemed and glory is unto him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood. To him, beloved, be all the honor and glory, both now and forever. Transgressions forgiven, sin covered. And then it says in verse two, blessed is the man unto whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. What a blessing. Oh, the blessedness of the man to whom God will not charge sin. Remember the scriptures in Romans chapter 8? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Tell me, oh, that I might win Christ and be found in him. The Apostle Paul said, There is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We read in Romans chapter 4, David describing the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not charge sin. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and look there with me, beginning in verse 31. The Apostle writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Beloved, if God is for us in the eternal covenant of grace in Christ, and he is, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Verse 32, He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely Give us all things. Now that for us all, in verse 29, it tells us who the all is. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That's his elect, his chosen people from among the Jews and the Gentiles. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that can condemn? Tell me. It is Christ that died. He paid the sin debt. He took my penalty. He took the wrath of God. He bared our sin in his own body on the tree. Verse 34. Beloved, it is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Transgression forgiven, sin covered iniquity not charged. Beloved, our redemption is paid and his righteousness is imputed to you who believe. You see, there are are two things I must have to stand before God. Two things I desperately need to stand before the God who is the maker of all things, the true and living God who is holy, holy, holy. Two things I need. First, I must have my sin put away. And secondly i must have charged to me a perfect justifying righteousness and that is the lord jesus christ himself a righteousness without works without any contribution on my part totally by the free sovereign grace of god alone justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in christ jesus i look back at psalm 32 Psalm 32, So blessed is the man, that man, to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. That is, believers have been given real, genuine, saving faith that only and ever looks to Christ. There's no hypocrisy. We're not playing church. We're not playing charades. We're not play-acting. We're not pretending to believe God. No, no. No. Rather, we do really trust him alone for all of our salvation. What is faith? It's the gift of God for which I forsake all and trust only him. That's faith. Forsaking all, I trust him. And it's the gift of God. The Apostle Paul calls it unspeakable. Peter said it's precious. That precious God-given faith This is the man in whose spirit there is no hypocrisy, no deceit. Those who have been made new creatures in Christ Jesus by the sovereign power and grace of God. They're not deceived as to who put away sin and how they are made justified in Christ Jesus. You see, we're saved by him to the uttermost. That's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to Romans chapter 10. My friend, God's people, those taught of God through the gospel, are not deceived on this matter of faith, nor are they deceived on this business of who put away sin. You see, it's not I did a part and he did his part. Rather, he did it all. He's all of my salvation. Beloved, we're not going about to establish a righteousness of our own, for it says in Romans chapter 1, rather chapter 10, verse 1, Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You know, when Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus by night, though he was a very religious man, sadly, he was also a very ignorant man, a lost man. He didn't know the gospel. He didn't know the true and living God. Romans 10, verse 3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and that's His holy character, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now that's the righteousness that's provided for His people, the good news of the gospel, how that Christ established our righteousness for us. Verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, to everyone that believeth. You see, every true believer in Christ Jesus is no longer going about to establish a saving righteousness of their own. For we are by his grace believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is all our righteousness before God. And my friend, he's all my righteousness. As of a matter of fact, in scripture, he's called the Lord our righteousness. Beloved, he is our righteousness in whose spirit there is no guile, and he is ever beholding his people like Nathaniel, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. No guile. I recently read the story of a young convert who testified how that God had done a work of grace in his heart. Now, this man had no guile in his spirit. He was not playing games He was not full of hypocrisy, for God had given him true, genuine, saving faith, and he was resting in Christ alone for all of his salvation. And so when he approached the elders of the congregation and told them that the Lord had marvelously saved him by his sovereign mercy and grace, and that he indeed was a lover of the Lord Jesus Christ, the elders of the church began to question him and asked him about his conversion. And he said, well, you know, I did my part, and God did his. And they thought, this young man is deceived. He doesn't know the gospel. He hasn't been taught of God. And so they asked him further, what do you mean, young man? What do you mean you did your part and God did his? For that could never be. And the young man replied, I did all the sinning. That was my part. And God did all the saving. That was his part. And that's the way it is with us, beloved. How that God saves us to the uttermost. (laughs) We have no part in it. We read in God's word, and God give you grace to hear it and rejoice in it, believe and rest in it, God who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So we can say with that young man, if I have any part to own in my testimony, it's this. I did all the sitting, and my Lord and God, Jesus Christ, did all the saving." My salvation is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. By his power, by his grace, he made me a new creature in Christ Jesus, and he made me to love him instead of darkness. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Psalm 32, verse 3. When I kept silence... My bones wax old from my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. We see here what God does in us when he reveals the gospel to us. That holy spirit conviction, the spirit of truth that the Lord sends to reprove and convict his people. My friend, if you miss holy spirit convert conviction, If you miss Holy Spirit conviction, you'll miss true repentance. If you miss repentance, you'll miss faith. And if you miss faith, you'll miss Christ. You see, saving faith only and ever looks to the Lord Jesus Christ. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. What a blessed thing it is to be convicted by God, the Holy Spirit, to have him make known to us, and realize that we are sinners through and through, that we are full of iniquity, that we are transgressors. My friend, have you ever seen yourself that way before God? Has God so loved you that he's put you into the light and countenance of his beloved son to show you all of your wretchedness, to show you the wisdom of Christ, Beloved, he has made us wise unto salvation by showing us our great and desperate need to be saved by Christ alone. You know, he's the savior of sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He died for the ungodly, and no one knows the pain of Holy Spirit conviction, of Holy Spirit reproof, except those who have experienced it in their heart. And my friend, it's not a one-time experience. Rather, it's an ongoing thing in the heart of the believer. For, beloved, we're continually being convicted that we are sinners. And as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, we long to be more and more like God's beloved Son. How do you know you're growing in grace? How do you know that? Well, a growth in grace is not something that's upward, Rather, a growth in grace is something that's downward. Indeed, the more I grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more I see of God and his holy character, and consequently, I see more of myself and just how wicked and sinful I really am. makes me appreciate our Lord Jesus Christ all the more, who is all my righteousness, all my standing, and all my acceptance before my Heavenly Father. That's the blessed gratitude that every believer in Christ enjoys through Holy Spirit conviction. David is saying here, once I was silent, once sin did not disturb me, once sin did not bother me, but now, he says here, my bones wax old, the strength of my flesh melted into corruption. Job said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah speaks about the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the seraphims declared one message about God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, after he beheld our king, the Lord Jesus Christ, high and lifted up, Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now that's conviction of sin, and that's a blessing. Blessed is the man who is convicted of his sin before Almighty God. All right, Psalm 32, verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Now, David's not speaking here about the hand of the preacher or the hand of the church. Rather, he's speaking here about the mighty hand of God. None can stay the sovereign hand of God, and it's his hand that pressed heavy upon me. And all my so called goodness. All my so-called righteousness turned into the drought of summer, just a filthy, dried-up, ruined rag. And this is a good and necessary thing for God to bring us to know, to make us to know what we are, that we might seek salvation in whom it is found. My friend, if you're thirsty, God says, come. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. My friend, if you're thirsty, God says, come, come ye to the waters, come ye that hath no money. Now, that's some strange economics. Nevertheless, this is the economics of the gospel. He that hath no money, come and buy. Now, how do you buy without money? Well, because it's free grace. It's free grace. And so come and buy without money, without price. Come buy wine and milk. Salvation, the free gift of God. David says in verse 4 of Psalm 32, Lord, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. And beloved, the same hand that wounds and strips us in love is the very same hand that raises us up in grace. You see, before God saves us and clothes us in that blessed righteousness of Christ, do you know what he does? He strips us bare. Before God heals us, do you know what he does? He takes his sword of the Spirit, and he wounds us. He operates upon the heart. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. And in his wise hand, God operates upon his covenant people. You see, the same hand that crushes pride, lust, self glory, and self righteousness is the very same hand that reveals Christ in the believing sinner and gives him a new opened heart and a new nature. That divine nature. Beloved, we are partakers of the divine nature in Christ Jesus. And yes, we still have that old rotten nature, that old Adam nature, but we have that blessed nature of Christ in us. You see, beloved, Christ in you is the sure hope of glory. God's word declares, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. As I mentioned earlier, if you miss Holy Spirit conviction, you'll miss true faith and repentance. And if you miss true faith and repentance, you'll miss the Lord Jesus Christ. God's word declares, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Do you ever think about that scripture in Hebrews chapter 11? It says there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, my friend, it's impossible to please God without faith, for a man without faith is a man without Christ. And so, without Christ, my friend, it's impossible to please our Heavenly Father, for acceptance before him is only found in his beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see here in these verses the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that fruit of Holy Spirit conviction. And so as we consider these things, my friend, I believe you will be made to know in your own heart if God has ever convicted you of your sin. What a blessed thing it is to be convicted of God. And what a cursed thing it is to just be convicted on your own. It's the difference between being a hypocrite and being a real sinner. That's that's my only hope, beloved. (laughs) How about yours? My only hope is that I really am a sinner who's desperately depending on the Lord Jesus Christ for all of my salvation. Nothing more cursed than a religious pretender. You know that man who's at a prayer meeting and he cries out to God, Oh God, I'm a worm of a man. Really? You believe that? Well, let's, let's hear what's going on in his home. Does his wife say the same thing? You're just a worm of a man. What does he say? Does he say it's true? Or does he tell his wife to shut up? Big difference between when God reveals what you are. What I'm saying to you, beloved, is when God loves you in the gospel of his son, your worst enemy could point a finger at you and touch your sorest part. And everything he railed on you was true. You know, this, that, and the other thing. And you would have to tell them. Now, I'm not saying that's easy on the flesh, it's hard on the flesh. I understand that. But you can tell them that doesn't hold a candle to what God has shown me in love. He's shown me far worse than what my worst enemies have ever said about me. And, beloved, isn't it good to know that the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners? He's a sovereign, successful Savior. Now, time has passed here quite rapidly. So I think I'll just conclude here. But I do want to impress some things upon your ears. And I pray the Lord will bless them with the hearing ear and comfort His people, convict His people, and save His people. The Lord Jesus Christ is everything in salvation. We read... In God's Word, how that the Lord Jesus Christ did not come into the world to try and save everybody. The Apostle Paul says so plainly and so clearly, and we never tire of hearing it. He said, a true and faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. I mean, the whole world ought to receive it. They won't unless God does something for them. But this is the true and faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. How that this sinner behind this pulpit, for most of my religious life, well, all of my unconverted religious life, I only heard half a gospel. I heard how the Lord Jesus Christ paid the penalty for me, that his blood was shed for me. But I didn't hear it the other half of that gospel. You see, if you only hear half the gospel, it's no gospel at all. This is the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ paid the penalty in full for, our, for all our sins. But much more, beloved, he performed the law for us. You see, we're all responsible people here. Some of you are fathers and mothers. Some of you are grandparents, grandfathers, and grandmothers. Some of you are wives and husbands. Some of you are daughters and sons. And God requires of all of us perfection. Perfection as a husband, perfection as a wife, perfection. And you know what we all are before God in of ourselves? (laughs) Failures. The only one who is a successful husband, you want to know his name? The Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) You want to know the only one who's been a successful son, a well-pleasing son? The Lord Jesus Christ. You want to hear who's been the best friend ever? And I don't mean any disrespect. The only one who's been the best faithful friend ever is the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40 and we'll conclude with this portion. In this portion, we, we do hear about the, the gospel of not only how the Lord Jesus Christ paid the penalty of the law, But he performed the law for us. He's all our righteousness and he's all our redemption. Through his precious blood and his righteousness, we're saved to the uttermost beloved. Chapter 40 of Isaiah, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. (laughs) Every man sent of God is sent to comfort God's people. I'm not here behind this pulpit to try and govern your conscience, to to have you stop doing some things and then start doing some other things. No, I'm here to preach salvation accomplished. I'm here to preach it is done. I'm here to preach how that the Lord Jesus Christ is a sovereign, successful Savior, and he shall not fail to save his people. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. (laughs) What does that say? I'm not here to preach to your head. I'm not here to straighten out your theology, get your doctrine right. I'm here to preach comfort to that heart that he opens in his people. Isn't that wonderful to read in Acts chapter 16, verse 14, that our sister Lydia, she didn't open her heart. The Lord opened her heart that she might give attendance to the things that Paul was preaching. Well, what was Paul preaching? Christ and him crucified. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. <laughs> It's done. What happens when warfare is accomplished? Peace. Perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Peace. Peace. Tell her that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double (laughs) for all her sins. He's my perfect record before my Heavenly Father, and He's the payment for the penalty of my sins. May the Lord be pleased to take his word this morning and once again comfort our hearts, cause us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of his beloved son and deliver us, set us in the way everlasting, keep us from looking at ourselves, but ever look to the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in him with all of our salvation, indeed trusting him for all and in all. He's everything to us. He's all of our life. How could you get up in the morning and take one step in front of another step if Christ wasn't your all in all? I couldn't do it. And I don't think anybody who's been taught of the Lord could ever do it. How can we live apart from Christ? Can't be done.